Hello, everybody. How are you tonight? It's great to have you here. Let's stand. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. If you walked in here and had no idea where you were going, that's where you are. It is great to have you here. I hope you're expecting great things from our Savior, our Lord, our King. Are you? Good. Let's bow our heads and our hearts and ask him to bless the time we have. Father, we are grateful for this night, Lord, a time of celebration. When we have an opportunity to gather, Lord, as we do here this night freely in this country, Lord. And we know around the world there's many, Father, that are persecuted day by day for proclaiming your name, sharing the gospel of Jesus, Lord. And we are just so grateful that we can freely gather here, Lord. And we just ask that you would stir our hearts, hearts of compassion for those, Lord, that are suffering through those times, Lord. And God, we just ask for the boldness by your spirit to share your love with those around us, Lord God. Father, we just pray that this night as we celebrate, you would be honored, Lord, that you would receive our praise as a sweet offering to you, Father, Son, and Spirit. And God, we ask for an anointing about Pastor Frank tonight, Lord, and continued using him, Lord, to bring your word to our hearts, Father, by your spirit. And Father, all those serving all about this building, Lord, and with our young ones, our little ones tonight, God, we just pray that that you, Lord, would be the center of it all as we honor you this night in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Without you, Lord, we have nothing, we are nothing.
without you I am nothing I am nothing without you only you can make something out of nothing we exalt you guys is anybody out here we exalt you as your people we have gathered that's it right isn't that right
praises we exalt you, O Lord. We exalt you, we exalt you, O Lord. We exalt you, O Lord. We exalt you, O Lord. Would your heavens be filled with the sound of our praise? One more time. Would your heavens be filled with the sound of our praise? One more time. Would your heavens be filled with the sound of our praise? Exalt you, O Lord. Exalt you, Lord. He alone is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah, Lord God. We have a great. A great and awesome God, that is right, we do. And he's given us his salvation in Jesus, right? Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon
Yeah. 
for a heart that holds on. There will be an end But until that day comes, still I will praise you. Still I will praise you. Oh, no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. You're dismissed. Go have fun. She's the nicest. Learn nice a lot girl. about Jesus. Little, yeah, she's fantastic, but she's a little up to energy, too much energy for me. Uh, but she's, fun, she's a sweet. You Russian man? from behind. Sometimes I think you're Jewish. <laughs> Welcome. You know, I didn't say good evening. You know when you, you, you come up and you say good evening? It just, yeah, it's like you're Dracula or something, you know? When I had, when I had my beard, Tito said I, said I look like the devil. I'll never forget that or forgive you for that. <laughs> Anton LaVey or? So let's stand. I can't let go of personal growth. So I know you're all hungry and salivating for numbers, right? We'll get there. We're getting there. We're coming back. Actually, it's really fun where we are in numbers now. You got, you got some crazy stuff. Personal growth part three. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 252. I hope you have memorized this verse. It's a verse worth memorizing and getting into your you know, heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Heavenly Father, again, if your son grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men. He was God. He was the Lord, the Messiah. He who had no sin. What of us, Lord? You call us to grow, Lord God. You call us to mature. You call us to increase. You give us, Lord, the Word. You give us your Holy Spirit. You give us the church. You give us the fellowship. You give us spiritual gifts. and You give us power, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that, Lord, we would be, Lord motivated, compelled, Lord God, to be ever-seeking, that we would grow into the fullness and maturity that you have called us to, in Jesus Christ our Lord, for in his name we pray, amen. You can be seated. So I want to share with you, I'm going to share with you another verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 11. 
It says, Dear brothers and sisters, close my, uh, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony. Peace. And then the God of love and peace will be with you. So, again, here is the word grow. Change. Get better. You know, something, you know, as you, you listen to people, everyone wants to uh, change the world, and they want to change others, but they're not willing to change themselves. And the word here, the word here for grow to maturity is catarize. Remember when, when Jesus catarized the leper? Remember the ten lepers, the one that came back? He catarized all ten. The one that came back got saved. He got, uh, it was uh, Soder. But the concept of, of this word, grow to maturity, is it's not just growing towards something, it's growing out of things. So you're leaving, you're leaving the, the negative things behind, and then you're moving towards and obtaining the positive things. Now that could be, again, that could be attitudes, that could be behaviors, you're leaving those negative behaviors, those negative actions, those negative attitudes behind, and you're moving towards, again, a, a, a godly, you know, positive attitude, a godly positive behavior. Now, I'll, I'll say this to you. If you don't change, I'm going to give you 64 years of wisdom here. If you don't change, if you don't grow, you will pay a price. You will pay a price. You will pay a price personally. It, it may be in your marriage, your family, your career. It may be financial. It may be health. Be in your ministry, your relationship with God. If you, if you don't grow. If you, if you don't grow at wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. If you don't grow in wisdom, it is going to have a detrimental effect on your career, on your finances. If you do not grow in stature, I'll say this, what you're doing to your bodies right now, you're going to pay for in the next 10 years. So when, you, when, you're, when you're in your 20s, what you do to your body in your 20s, you're going to pay for in your 30s. What you do to your body in your 30s, you're going to pay for in your 40s. What you do to your body in your 40s, you'll pay for in your 50s. What you do to your body in your 50s and your 60s and so forth. And some of you, you know, if you're, if you're really living recklessly, you may not make it, you know, to your 50s, 60s, 70s. So, again, you, there's a price you'll pay in favor with God. Again, if you're not growing in your relationship with God, you're, you're going to pay, there's going to be a price. If you're not growing in favor with man, there's a price you're going to pay. So that's, that's on a personal level. You're going to pay a personal price. Now, no one lives unto themselves. And the life we live has a ripple effect. Right? Our lives, our choices, our decisions, our actions, our words have a ripple effect that affect other people. And if you're not growing, if you're not changing... If you're not getting better, the people in your life are going to pay that price too. Your spouse is going to pay a price. Your children will pay a price. Your family members will pay a, pri a price. 
You look at people again, people who don't grow, people who, who don't really get it better, they will cause some hurt, and sometimes a lot of hurt, to their loved ones, to their family members, to their church. So again, we, if we're not engaging in growth, we're going to have a price that we're going to pay in the future that will be personal. And there will be a price that the people around us that we claim to love are also going to pay. So, another key verse on growth. Ecclesiastes 10.10. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. Sharpen the blade. Get better. Sharpen your axe. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a word here. So sharpen the blade, a concept called mastery. The mysterious process during which we essentially overcome difficult things, we grow through practice very progressive and, and proficient in them until we come to a place where we are performing them in an effortless or essentially a subconscious way, mastery. Sharpen your axe. Become a person who practices mastery. I'm going to give you another key, a key acronym, CANI, C-A-N-I. Continuous and never-ending improvement. Continuously improve, continuously grow. Abraham Lincoln, he said this, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. That's a great statement of wisdom. So I'm going to share. I'm going to share two things with you tonight about sharpening the axe. I'm going to share two things with you about growing to maturity. Just two things, and uh, they are first one big thing, and then secondly everyday things. We'll call them the whatevers. The Bible talks about whatevers, whatever you do. So the first, the first, start with one big thing. I want to say this, young people, really tune into me right now, you young people here, you millennials, you got some Z generation here. Parents, parents, tune into me right now with what I'm going to say to you, because this could make a significant difference in your life. It's not that the older folks or people my age, it's not going to make it, but I just want to say young people and people with kids, what I'm going to share with you, this, this, this is life transforming. Something that could, could make such a significant difference. So again, the concept of just one big thing. How many of you have ever seen the movie City Slickers? Okay. I've, I've seen City, City Slickers. So City Slickers, in fact, I have a cousin who was in City Slickers. His name was Bruno Kirby. He passed away in 2012. And um, Bruno was one of the New York City yuppies and city slickers. And in city slickers, these, these New York yuppies, they go out and they're going to go on this, um, it's like a dude ranch, and they're going to work with Jack Palance, who is this rugged, manly, tough cowboy. And they're going to run the cattle from one state to another. And uh, they're, they're kind of enamored with Jack Palance. Right, and 
they see this guy with this passion. He's got this passion for life. He's, he's, he's rough, he's tough, but he's got, he's got this passion, this enthusiasm, this energy for life. And the yuppies, the, the city slickers, are soft, flabby, weak, mediocre, apathetic. Well, those are the roles that they're playing. And they're looking at Jack Plants and they're wondering, where does this guy get this passion from? And so there's this one scene where he's riding on the horse. Billy Crystal is next to him. Billy's asking him, where do you get it from? Where do you get that intensity? Where do you get that passion from? And Jack Palance puts up one finger and he says, just one thing. Just one thing. And Billy Crystal asks him, what is it? And he goes, that's what you got to find out. Just one thing. The Bible says a lot about just one thing. Right? You look at, you look at in fact, this is kind of my signature verse for my life. Matthew chapter 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In Luke chapter 12, 34, again, the Lord says here, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's just one thing. One thing. You ever hear, you ever hear the, the, the saying, jack of all trades, master of none? Who said that? Benjamin Franklin. But he didn't say that. That's not what he said. And it's, it's twisted. What he, what he said, jack of all trades, master of one. That you, you can be, and I believe this, you can be a jack of all trades. You could be good at a number of things. But you master one. One, one thing. When you get really good at mastering one thing, you know what you're going to find? You can then direct that discipline. You can direct that diligence. And you can direct it into other areas of your life and you can get good at them. You can maybe have one thing that you're really great at and then there are a number of things that you can be really good at. So this, this could be... It could be... I'll give you, Ricardo Bellotto is a master plumber. He's really good at plumbing. That's his, his mastery. Um, Ken, who, who comes here, he's a master carpenter. Right? You, you, Lenny is a, is a master engineer. Okay, master worship leader. But it, there could be many. Some people, they're, they're master salesmen. They could be a, a, a master entrepreneur. How about a master, mastering in being a mother? The greatest, Teddy Roosevelt, the greatest endeavors that, that we have here in the United States, mothering, fathering. But the idea, the idea again, you, you can master, you master this one thing and you develop this, and this is what I'm saying as parents. Get your kids focused on mastering something. Maybe a musical instrument. Maybe a sport. Maybe a, a specific subject. Teach them, teach them, and get them focused. And, and those things, there, there will be a process as they grow in those things. And sometimes they will move on to other things that they will master. So for me, it was it was athletics when I was younger. And my first my first thing that I really began to master was basketball. 
In seventh grade, I averaged two points a game. But I practiced 10 hours a day, pretty much in all summer long, and I would say about five hours on school days. And then in eighth grade, I averaged 18 points a game. Freshman year, I averaged 24 points a game. And then I, I touched iron. And suddenly, my love of basketball changed. Once I touched iron, I've never let it go. And I got into, you know, strength training and, you know, the whole strength game, powerlifting and bodybuilding. And, you know, I started, I was 158 pounds. A year later, I was 200 pounds. I think the first time I ever bench pressed, I bench pressed 100 pounds, and then 200 pounds, and 300 pounds, and 400 pounds. You progress and, and got better. And then, you know what? The, the, I trained in bodybuilding three hours a day for six straight years, and Sue will tell you this. I trained on Christmas. I trained on Easter. I trained on my birthday. I trained When we would go away, I would look and make sure that there was a gym. I still do this all the time, too. They make sure there's a gym in the hotel because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train. But... That discipline, I just transferred that into the ministry. That same, that same discipline. Just that I, wasn't, I wasn't focused just merely on my body and mind. Now I was focused on developing my mind and my spirit. And that transition into getting a bachelor's degree in theology. I got actually a number of bachelor's degrees. And then going on and getting my master's degree in theology. It just was, it was a progression. I continue, you know, studies. And by the way, my, my college education has made up about 2% of where I am today. The other 98% has been self-study. But that was just, again, that, that simple basketball, bodybuilding, you learn how to discipline yourself. You learn how to, how to pursue. And then, again, transferring it on to bigger things and greater things was, was easy. So let me, let me talk with you. I want to talk to you a little bit about Again, this concept of mastery. The first thing, you must discover your one thing. Discover it. When you discover it, eureka. Develop it. And then deploy it. How do you discover your one thing? Because I see people, they go through their whole life and they never discover that one thing. My, my neighbor really loved the guy. He was a great guy. We led him to the Lord here at the church, his family. And I was sitting with him one day talking. And he goes, you got, you know, he goes, he goes, you got something that so few people ever, ever have. You know, you've got a passion and a love for what you do. I was a successful guy, wealthy guy. But he didn't have that love and that passion for what he was doing. And, and you know, you want to discover that. You want to help your kids to discover that one thing. One thing you can do to discover one thing. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 8. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. You need to ask. You need to seek. And, you know, you really need to knock. To find, to find that, you know, again, that one thing. That one thing. And it, it, it takes effort asking and seeking and knocking. God, what did you put me here for? What is, the, what is the purpose that you put me here for? I don't want to live a life of apathy. I don't want to live a life of mediocrity. 68% of people in our culture hate their job. They hate their boss. 
right there unhappy. I, I wouldn't want to go through life like that. I mean, you've got a life to live. And I think it's worth seeking, you know, seeking God. And boy, when you're young, when you're young, when you've got kids, you want to be welcoming them with that. Ask, seek, and knock. Number two, once you find it, once you discover it, you need and must surrender your ego. In John chapter 12, 24, and you see the Bible, this, this theme, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now Jesus is talking about his death on the cross. But the Bible talks about us dying, right, to that lower nature, dying to the sarks, dying to the flesh. You need to die to your ego. Because if you find that thing, you find that one thing, and it is, it is that one, man, it's that one thing that, that you're engaging, you're, you're, you're embracing. When you start to put that one thing into practice, you start to develop it, you start to practice it, you start to work towards mastering, guess what's going to happen when you first start? You're going to stink at it. You're going to stink at it. Whenever you start something new, has, has anybody in this room ever start anything new that was worthwhile and you just you, you, you were a master just immediately starting it? Tito, when you began playing the drums, were you just, did you just start playing the drums the way you play now? The musicians, right? Len, were you able to do worship? Let me tell you, when I first started preaching, you wouldn't have come back this Sunday. That's why when you start preaching, they send you around to different churches. Because you go to the church and then you have to go back there again because they don't want you to go back again. You're going to stink at it. You find that, that one thing, learning something new, putting something new into practice. See, most people, if they don't die to their ego, it gets hard, it gets uncomfortable. They get discouraged and they quit. See people quitting things all the time. They, they try it again. Their ego is too delicate. They're, they're, they're too soft in their ego. They can't take not being good at it. So I'm in the dojo a few weeks ago. And um, I'd say I'm one of, the, one of the top fighters in there now. I have a bunch of good fighters. But we're learning a new technique. We're doing urban combatives, it's called. It's, it's MMA on steroids, street fighting. And... Um, I'm doing this technique, I've never done it before, and I look like a total spaz, a total spastic trying to do it. And there are three women that are, tra that are training with us that night, and they're doing it 50,000 times more efficient and effective than I am. And I'm just feeling, I'm, I'm just feeling like a total fair, and all of a sudden the thought comes to my mind, I really stink at this, maybe, maybe I need to quit. Just that thought, and I needed to surrender that thought. I needed, I needed to surrender that thought. Because as again, when you start doing something new, and again, you're not going to be doing it well, your ego is going to come in there, and again, it, it'll just shut you down. And that could be, that could be things, and that could be worship, that could be prayer, that could be witnessing, that could be the Word of God. How many of you, the first time you start studying the Word of God, you don't have a clue? Great quote by Brian Tracy. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. 
Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly at first. Whatever, whatever it is. So there needs to be a surrender of the ego. You don't surrender the ego, you will quit. And if you're a person who's gone through life quitting at a lot of, you know, you start something new and quit it, which is true, I find, of most people. They've, they've, done, they've done so many different things and they've quit at all of them. And that's because, again, your ego is in control of your life. Number three, you must surrender to the art. I believe carpentry is an art. I believe electricians, that is an art. Painting, I'm not talking about painting, you know, da Vinci's. Painting a room is an art and I am not a good artist. <laughs> Mothering is an art. Fathering is an art. Worship is an art. Playing the drums is an art. What Michael and the people do in the sound room and in the TV, that's an art. Teaching Sunday school is an art. The nursery is an art. All these different ministries that God has given us, they're, they're essentially they're, they're art forms. Being a grandparent is an art. And you need to surrender to your art. When I began preaching and teaching the Word of God, again, I had to surrender to the art of preaching and teaching. Surrendering to, you know, to, to the system, surrendering to preparation, to, surrendering to presentation. And you, you need to surrender to that. I'm going to read to you from Psalm 18, 32-34. David's purpose was to secure the boundaries of Israel and drive out and subdue the ites, the remaining ites that were left there before him, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Perizzites. And essentially, David's art was the art of war. He was, he was a, a warrior. He surrendered to that art. And he mastered that art. He started off right killing the bears. And, and killing the wolves. And he developed to where then he was killing giants. And what did the people cry when David came back from battle? Saul killed his. And David killed his. He, uh, he mastered the art of war. In, in Psalm 18, verse 32 through 34, you have this, it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. He mastered the art of war. He surrendered to his art. To master anything, you must surrender to it. And then a third, uh, I'm sorry, a, a fourth here, you must surrender to your teacher. Find a teacher, find a mentor, find a coach 
I've had many great mentors. I've had many great coaches through my lifetime. I, my first pastor, Pastor, you know, Charlie Rizzo, and then Dallas Mucci, our, our district superintendent, um, Ken Jones, uh, Reverend, you know, Scott. I've had, I've had other mentors. I've had other coaches through my life in, in bodybuilding, in basketball, in the martial arts. You know, I, I see a lot of people, they are going to reinvent the wheel, Right? They're, they're, they're essentially people who are not, they're not coachable. And they're not teachable. Why in, reinvent the wheel when you don't have to? Find somebody who's done it, what, whatever it may be. You know, find somebody who's done it. Find somebody who's mastered it and learn from them instead of trying to go it on your own. You see people going it on their own, they very rarely succeed in anything. Find somebody who could be your teacher. Find somebody who could be your mentor. And you see that. You see that throughout Scripture. Who was Joshua's mentor? Moses. Right, look at what it tells us in Numbers chapter 27, 18 through 20. And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Right, he has been with Moses since the beginning. Set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. Inaugurate him in their sight and you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Who was Timothy's mentor? Who, who was Titus's mentor? Who, who was Apollos' mentors? Priscilla and Aquila. You need, you need to find a mentor. Young people, find a mentor. Whatever, whatever you're looking to, to accomplish, whatever you're looking to be successful and don't try to reinvent the wheel. Find a mentor, find a coach. They will help you to get there so much faster. So much faster. And then one other thing here, you must surrender to the process. Just the, the, the ongoing process, because it is a process. You know, we have this terrible... Disease in America, destination disease, right? We want what we want yesterday, right? Everything, everything is quick, right? Everything, you know, we just, everything we do is, is quick and it's, it's, it's instant coffee, right? And then it's, it's, you know, those quick, those quick little meals that you buy, right? At the frozen meals that you throw in. Instant pizza, Right, you don't you don't feel well, right? Because you ate too much, right? Or you ate too much of the instant pizza. Now you need quick relief. How do you spell relief? R O L A I D S, right? But it's all treating. We 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 don't we don't treat the cause. We treat symptoms. But everything's about again. Everything's about instance. Everything is destination. And it's a journey. You're going to master something. It's a journey, and you must surrender to the process. Listen to what. 1 Peter chapter 1.18, this is the MSG version. It says, your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It's a process. Mastery is a, is a process. Growth is a process that we, that we go through. I'll give you a, a, great, a great picture from Psalm 84, verse 5 through 7. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. What's another word for pilgrimage? Journey. Yeah, your heart is set on journey. And as they pass through the Valley of Baca, the Valley of Baca is a desert. 
they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. That's, that's the process. You get better and better. You're continuously improving. You're becoming stronger and stronger, better and better. You're mastering what you're doing. So that is the process of mastery. Find one thing. You can be a jack of all trades, but master one. And those of you who are parents, work with your children with this. You teach that, you teach that child, and you get that child in that one thing, and they start disciplining themselves. And it could be a sport. It, it could be, again, a musical instrument. It could be a, a, you know, a specific learning in school, science or math, and they suddenly just, it's their niche. And they discipline themselves in that area. And then you know what happens? They get old. Maybe they're looking at doing something else. They've, they've got that ability. They've developed those disciplines to be able to excel in those other areas. It's a wonder, wonderful gift to give to your children. Guide them in. Guide them into that, that one thing. All right, second, second thing here. So I said I was going to share the one thing with you. And now I'd like to share with you. And then... The little everyday things. Grow in the little everyday things. So Ecclesiastes 9.10, again, this is another signature verse of mine. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Give everything the best you can give. And it says in Colossians chapter 3, 23 through 24, and whatever you do, could you say that with me, whatever? You know when people say whatever? Well, this is really an important whatever. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So I'm going to talk to you here for the next few minutes about whatevers. Because life is made up of whatevers. And when you are doing all the whatevers aimlessly, brainlessly, with mediocrity, just going through the motions, you know what happens? Your life becomes a life of mediocrity. Your spirit becomes apathetic. Your life becomes a middle-of-the-road life. And your Christian life becomes humdrum when it wasn't meant to be humdrum. You ever see winged people? I don't want to work with winged people. I don't want to work around winged people. I don't want winged people on my team. And people who just, you know, they, they, every, everything is winning. Again, it's, it's just mediocrity. So here's a book I'm going to recommend to you. It's called Atomic Habits. Read it about a year ago. Guy's name is James Clear. Uh, James Clear, he tells a story in the first chapter about a cycling coach. His name was David Brailsford. And he was hired by the English cycling team who were the worst cycling team in the Tour de France in the previous years. They came in last all the time. And this coach took them on, and what he did was he implemented 77 whatevers. And his goal was to make a 1% change, 1% change in these whatevers per week. A year later, they won the Tour de France. You, ever, you know what compounded interest is? the interest compounded. When you make little changes in multiple areas of your life, 
the interest compounds and everything gets better, everything improves. He, he tells this one, this was one thing that really stayed with me from that chapter. They hired, they, they, they were getting sick all the time. They were getting colds. And he, he hired a surgeon to come in and teach them how to wash their hands. So the surgeon, you ever see how a surgeon washes their hands from the elbows down and they scrub it and they put it in, you know, the warm water and they, you know, they scrub their hands for like 20 seconds. Their colds were reduced by like 80% by just simply washing their hands. So it was like 77 little, I guess what we would think is insignificant things that made this difference, and the team went on to win the Tour de France. So again, what, what are, they're the whatevers. Little whatevers that you do every day. That if, that if you change, and you, you start to grow in them, you're going you're gonna to start to live a much more significant and better life. So let's just talk about whatevers. Here's a good one. Sleep. Whatevers. What time do you go to bed? When I coach people, I find, oh, you know, what time? You know, let, let's, they, they hire me to work with them to improve their performance, to make more money, to, to be better. And I'll ask them, well, what time do you get up in the morning? Oh, 8.30. Quarter to nine. 7.30. And uh, the first thing is, what time do you go to bed? Oh, I go to bed at like 1 o'clock. What are you doing? What are you doing between, like, you know, most people's day is over by 9.10. What are you doing between, you know, 9.10 o'clock and 1 o'clock? Oh, I'm, I'm surfing the web. I'm watching uh, Netflix sagas. Right? Just playing video games. So this is why you're having a problem getting, getting up in the morning and really getting your day off to a fresh start. I'm big on, on you know, getting up in the morning and having a very productive morning before I even kick off my day. And that's my, my time with God, and that's personal development time, and that's exercise, training. But that's, you know, that's, that's why you're, you know, you're living like that. So we started making an adjustment, and we talk about setting your biological clock. Go to bed. Try to go to bed at the same time every night and get up at the same time in the morning. Just try to go to bed at the same time. I don't know how many hours. Everybody's different with the amount of time. Some of you need six hours sleep. Some of you need seven, eight, nine hours sleep. Find out how much sleep you need. Go to bed at the same time. Wake up at the same time. Set your biological clock. Somebody said this. I don't know. Somebody very wise. I think it was Ben Franklin. Early to bed, early to rise. Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. I believe there's great truth to that. Get a good night's sleep. How different would your life be if you did that? Instead of, again, staying up late, playing video games, or watching stupid TV sagas, or surfing the net. How do you wake up in the morning? Start, working up, start waking up in the morning, right? Wake up in the morning with, you know, a, a level of, you know, enthusiasm. You know, wake up, how many of you wake up on the alarm, you hit the snooze button, and then you hit the snooze button again? And hit the snooze button again. Let me, give you, let me give you a great way to overcome that. Take the alarm clock and put it on the other side of the room so you have to get up out of bed to hit the snooze. Really works. Really works. I like when I get up in the morning, and I'll tell you if you saw me, I, like to, I, I bring my legs up into the air and I jump out of bed. That's how I get up. Just, uh, and it's not because I'm 64 and I have to go to the bathroom when I wake up in the morning. I just kick my legs up and I, 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 throw, I, throw myself, I throw myself out of bed. 
But get up, you know, get up with a, a level of, you know, enthusiasm. Up and out. Get your, get your energy going. We all get up. We all sleep. We all go to bed. Those little things, just little things, whatevers, that could make a difference. Here's another one. Prayer. Or whatever. How can you improve your prayer life? What can you do to improve your prayer life? How about engaging in your prayer life with, with a greater amount of zeal, a greater amount of excitement, coming and meeting God. You're meeting God in your prayer life. How many of you have that kind of enthusiasm and excitement when you're coming to God? And I think for me, that's, that's my time in the morning. I'm coming to God and there's enthusiasm and there's excitement. I want to improve my prayer life. So when I first came to the Lord, what was a prayer life? You said... You said a bunch of things that you wanted. And then I began to really study prayer. And I developed, I really started to engage. And I didn't develop it. I didn't invent it. The ACTS program, that prayer is more than just asking God for things. It's adoration. It's confession. It's thanksgiving. It's supplication. I implemented the Jabez prayer in there, the Lord's prayer. And suddenly my prayer life became more than, a, you know, than just a, a 10 minute shopping list that I was throwing out to God. It became something that was rich, something that was exciting, something I look forward to every day. What can you do to enhance your prayer life? How about your Bible study? The whatever, right? It's a whatever. We're in the Word every day, right? Hopefully, we read the Word every day. How can you improve your Bible study to enjoy it more? To, again, have a, a passion and anticipation and expectation that you're going to come to the Word of God and God is going to reveal His great mysteries to you. I don't know about you, that's my experience. And I've been going through this book, reading it. I've read through it hundreds of times. And let me tell you something, it ain't getting old. It ain't getting old and it ain't getting boring. It's getting more exciting right now in my life than it ever was. But what can you do? You know, I, I have found for me, and I'm just going to say this has worked for me, some people just read through the Bible systematically. That's good. God bless you. I like to, you know, eat different kind of food from different food groups. So I like to read some chapters from the Old Testament. I read Psalms read some of the wisdom books, read some of the historical books, I and mean, get in the prophets, get in the Gospels. I read a, you know, a chapter from the Gospels and write through the Gospels, through the book of Acts, and start over again, and then the epistles. And I just find that, that, that variety is very exciting for me. I'm literally, literally ex exciting. Numbers 27 this morning, Psalm 52 this morning, Ecclesiastes 3 this morning. Matthew chapter 23 this morning, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa to the Pharisees. And then Galatians 5. We shouldn't be living in the flesh, but in the spirit because the flesh. But that, that was my, that, I remembered. I remembered. I go to bed every night thinking about what I read in the morning and just kind of reviewing it as I put my head down on the pillow. But there should be, there should be an excitement for the word. How about, how about, Exercise movement. I hope some of you and all of you are doing something, but exercise is a whatever. How can you improve, right? You're going to improve, again, the stature, the body. What can you do to make it make it better? Something I recommend to people. Find something you like to do. You're not going to like what I'm doing. I think most of you would not like what I'm doing. Find something you like to do. I, I coach a guy out and... Idaho, he gets in his kayak every morning on a lake. He sends me pictures. He makes me, he makes me 
envious of him. But he's out on the lake. I have, I have two guys, they're from, they're from Boston. They do crew. And they get out on the river and they, and they practice. Find something. If it, it, it doesn't have to be you going to the gym. You don't have to be lifting weights. You don't have to be on a treadmill. Find something you like to do and do it. Something that's going to make you feel good. Some, something that's going to make you healthier. But, you know, in, engage in that. But that's a whatever. Another whatever. How many of you eat? Right? Do you, do you eat? Eating is a whatever. How can you improve your nutrition? How can you eat healthier? Have you ever heard the saying, has this ever come? I don't know if it's coming to Dumont, New Jersey. It goes like this, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Have you ever heard that? That's a joke, by the way. Isn't it something just one apple a day? Just that, that one apple could start to make a difference. I go and I, I go buy produce. I buy a lot of produce and some other things on, uh, on Friday. When I go to the store, I mean, it's, it's a lot of produce. And I think I eat probably 80% of it. But I look at what people have on their, you know, on the conveyor belt, and, you know, everything came from the middle of the store. You're better off shopping around the, the outside aisles. That's where all the good stuff is. Because in the middle of the store, you have all the processed foods. You got all the stuff that's in boxes. You got the stuff that's in cans. You got the stuff that's frozen. And I see people because they, do they, do they ever eat anything green? Maybe when they go to Burger King down the street, they get that little piece of uh, sulfated lettuce that they put on their hamburger. But what can you do? Just, you know, you, you, what can you do to improve on your nutrition? To become healthier? Here's another one. How about work? Your career? How can you improve? How can you improve your skill? How can you get better? My, my, my calling and my number one thing, and it's going back now 40 years, my number one thing is communication. That's, that, that's, that's my one thing. Communicate. Master your communication. Get better at communicating. Get better at preparing, get better at presenting. Get better at, I mean, I, I adopted using PowerPoint a few years ago. But how can you make yourself better in your career? Because when you make yourself better in your career, you enlarge yourself, and then your career, your business, your income enlarges. I see people complaining, I'm not making enough money. Get better. Get better. Make yourself more valuable to your employee. I have people calling me to work with them. I've made myself valuable in the, in the market that I'm in. Another, whatever. How many of you think? 85% of the average person's thinking, according to psychologists, is either aimless or negative. You think all day long, what can you do to think better? To think more productively? Right, Philippians 4.8 is, is, is a great verse. You know, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's praiseworthy, right? Whatever's excellent, think about such things. How about if you really started to work on that? Because, you know, Jesus said, from the overflow of the heart, what happens? From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me tell you this. From the overflow of the heart, the feet, the feet move. And from the overflow of the heart, the hands move. So if you start, you start changing what's going on on the inside, you're going to have a profound effect on what's going on on the outside. How about 
talking? Do you talk during the day? How about just improving your talk? Talk is a, is a whatever, right? A whatever. Whatever you do, improve your talking. Speak words of life instead of words of death. How about your worship? Worship is a whatever. I worship the Lord every day, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. How can I improve my worship? How can I get better as a, as a worshiper? You know, when, I, when I began to really grasp on to understanding worship, I went to a worship rally in New York City. And, uh, you know, I was basically in a church, people clapped. Occasionally somebody waved. Nobody really ever raised their hands. I just went, I went and I'm, I'm watching these people and they're really engaging God. And in a deep engagement of God. And I see people with their hands, you know, raised, just praising God and, and, and glorifying. Why do we lift our hands? Right, I, I started, you know, it was like this. I went, I started to feel the hand going up. And in my inhibited nature, I pulled it down. And then this one started going up, and I pulled it down until finally both hands were up, and I was worshiping the Lord that, that day for four hours. Why do we lift up our hands? Because if somebody stuck a gun in your chest, and they said, stick them up, you'd surrender. It's a sign of surrender. It's also a sign of wanting, like a little child, right? My, my little grandson, I walked in here today, and he goes like this. He wants, he wants Pa to take him in his arms. We want our father to take us in his arms. But how can you improve? That's one little thing with worship. How about another? Serve. We all serve. How can you improve your serve? How can you become better as a servant of the Lord? These are all little things. These are this bunch of little, a bunch of little whatevers. You probably have different whatevers than what I, you know, whatevers I have. But just making yourself better. So, wrapping it up, Make yourself better. Find that one big thing. Find that one big thing in your life. Master it. And then, the little everyday things. Start working at getting better at them. Start looking at how you can improve those things. Well, I know it takes effort. It takes energy. I always ask people, why? Why? Why do this? Why do some of you are exhausted already just listening to me? Right? Why 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 do this? Why not? What else do you have to do? Why not grow? Why not get better? And then the question, why not me? Right? Why not you? You, you don't have, you don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a pastor. You, you, it, it, this is this is what God calls us all to. People say to me, oh, well, you're a pastor. I mean, go, go, please, go, go to the lake. Go to the lake and jump in for a little while. Cool yourself off. Because what God calls us to, he calls us all to. He calls us all to get better in the things, right, that we're doing. And why not me now? Why not me now? Why not start right now tonight? And don't let this message just be another message that went in one ear and out the other. Oh, that was a really good message. That was a really good message. I really like that message, but you don't remember anything about it. This is, a, this is a, a foundational principle to live by. Growth. Take it. Run with it. Practice it. Don't let it out of your sight. Develop it. 
and grow. And you will be more valuable to those around you. You will be more valuable to yourself. And most of all, you will be more valuable to God. Amen? Amen. Come up, Len, and lead us in a closing worship song. Father, we thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for this great adventure. It's truly a great adventure, the adventure of growth. Lord Jesus, I think it's one of the most exciting things that you have, Lord God, given us on this earth, that we would grow to maturity, that we would grow in grace, that, Lord, we would grow in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and men. And I pray, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that people take this to heart. What a difference it can make. And in Jesus' name we pray this, amen. Let's all stand. When we close, I want you to again, just privately, we'll get back to group prayer next week. Just take a little time and think about what was said tonight. Think about the one thing. Think about the whatevers. Leave here with a little bit of a plan that could make a difference in your life. Thank you, Pastor Frank. Thank you, Lord, for your word.
said let's take a seat and meditate on what we've learned tonight let's ask the lord to enlarge our hearts and continue to grow us in him as disciples of jesus <laughs> 